Let's take your Bible and open it with me to the book of Colossians this morning. We're going to be reading from chapter 3 today. Years ago, it's been quite a few years ago now, I helped coach a Little League baseball team. A gentleman in our church, his son was playing Little League. and He had been a Little League coach for several years, and he let me help him out, and I helped coach Little League with him. His name was Tommy Lippert, great guy to coach with, such a wonderful guy, and uh, his son, Chad, really gifted baseball player. And, and we coached for a couple of years together coaching Little League. You know, as, as we coached those Little League teams, as we tried to, to help these, these boys understand the game of baseball, there were certain things that we emphasized with them. Of course, we would focus focus with them on many of the fundamentals, trying to teach Little League baseball. Some of these kids have never played before. We teach them how to throw. We teach them how to catch, how to get in front of the ball. We teach them how to hit. We teach them how to run the bases. We teach them those fundamentals, but also we felt like it was a really core component of what we tried to do with these boys as we were teaching them, as we were coaching them in Little League, was to teach them some sportsmanship as well. And so as we taught these boys sportsmanship, to that end, there were a couple of team rules that we had. A couple of team rules. These weren't instituted by the league. They were just our team rules, and we would emphasize that with these boys who, co- who played for us. We would tell them, at the beginning of every inning, you run onto the field. You don't walk. We don't want to see you jogging. We want you to run to your position. And so when they would leave the dugout, we would actually practice and practice. When we tell you where to go, you're going to run, and you're going to run to your position on the field. And at the end of the inning, you don't jog off. You don't walk off. Regardless of where your position is, you run from your position on the field back to the dugout. We want you running out to the position. We want you running back in. It was just part of what we taught them about respect for the game, part of the sportsmanship that we had. We taught our players that they were never to argue, never to argue with the umpire or the other team. If they argued with the umpire, they would immediately be taken out of the game regardless of who they were. We never wanted them to argue with an umpire. We wanted to make sure that they wore their uniform the same way. They had the same socks on. They had the same pants on. They had the same shirts on. They would all wear them tucked in. They had the same belt on. Everybody would wear their hat. Everybody would wear their hat faced forward. This was just our team rules. We did that because we wanted to make sure that every player who belonged on our team understood that belonging to our team had some requirements. The reason for these rules were simple. All our boys were part of a team. Not all the teams did this. It wasn't part of the league, but it was part of belonging to our team. And our team was distinctive in that fashion in that league where our kids played. Now, it wasn't necessarily unique in that There are places where if you belong to them, you are required to meet certain things. There are certain things that you are expected to do if you belong to this organization. People who belong to certain country clubs, they are required to dress a certain way. They are required to spend a certain amount of money in the restaurant at the country club. People who belong to the Kiwanis Club are required to do certain actions and certain actions they're supposed to refrain from. People who belong to a a ladies club, belong to a book club, you're required. It's an expectation that if you belong to a book club, you're going to 
read the book. There are some requirements, and, and, and we're, we're, not, we're not too far. I mean, we, we don't get too bothered by some of the requirements for those things. But when we start talking about expectations and requirements for being a believer, a follower of Christ, now that we belong to Jesus Christ, now that we belong to the team, now that we are a part of the team, there are certain things that we are kind of expected to do as part of that team. That's where sometimes we balk a little bit. Now, the title of today's message, today's message and next Sunday's message, it's really an extension all the way through chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today, and then we're going to pick up next week and pick up at verse 12 and go through another section of chapter 3 here in Colossians. But today, we're going to be talking about belonging to Christ's team. We belong to Christ now. Because I have come to faith in Jesus Christ, because I have placed my faith and trust in this Savior and Lord, because I have chosen to follow him, because I have chosen to surrender my life to him at his prompting, at his call, because I belong to Christ, here in the book of Colossians, here in chapter 3, it lists several things that belonging to the team is just simply an expectation. Now, let me say, these are not my expectations. These are specifically things that the Lord has outlined here in Colossians chapter 3. And this is what we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about belonging to Christ. Because we belong to Christ, here are some things that Scripture tells us that we ought to be doing. Now, this is a good breaking point. I'm going to allow our kids, Pastor JD, our parents, grandparents, any of them who would like to accompany the kids back to the back for their topic, their discussion on this same topic, they're going to be looking at the same passage of Scripture using the same outline. They're going to be talking about because we belong to Christ, these are some things that the Lord calls us to do. They're going to be using the same framework for this passage today, and they're going to be back in the back studying this. And we're going to be out here studying from Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 11. So, as our parents, grandparents, and kids make their way to the back for their message time. Why don't you read with me, starting at verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3. And it says, If then you were raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, if you belong to the team, if you are Christ's, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, then seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off all of the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is in all, is all, and is in all. Okay, we want to talk today about what it means to belong to Christ. Because we belong to Christ, because we are his, what are some things that he calls us to do? Because we belong to Christ, there are some things that we are called to do in response to that. That's what we're going to be looking at today. The first of these is found in verses 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, if you've become a believer in Christ, if you've committed your life to Christ, then seek those things which are above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. Because we belong to Christ, we will seek the things that are above. Now, here in this passage, here in this verse, there are several things that are mentioned here, but focusing just on verses one through four, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And part of the call is that we're supposed to have our focus as followers of Christ, as people who belong to Christ, we are supposed to have our focus in a different direction than those who don't know Christ. Those who know Christ are supposed to have their focus, have their aim, have their attention pointed in one direction, which is the things above, on Christ above, on God above. Not necessarily on all the things here on earth that tend to distract us from our relationship with the Lord. Because we belong to Christ, we will seek the things that are above. Um, A few months back now, on May 12th, 2019, May 12th, 2019, that was Mother's Day, by the way, last year, Mother's Day, May the 12th, 2019, 22-month-old Kenneth Howard wandered off from his eastern Kentucky home. If you've ever traveled in that part of the country, you know that eastern Kentucky is kind of like western Virginia. Very mountainous, very hilly, very wooded. Eastern Kentucky, this young boy wandered off from his home. How he wandered off, we don't really know. We just know that he did. And his parents reported him missing. At first, they thought that maybe their child had been abducted from the house. This was Mother's Day, plenty of people over. Their 22-year-old, 22-month-old had wandered off from the house, wandered out into the woods, and they didn't know where he was. They called the police. The police came. They arrived. They searched the premises. They found no evidence that the child had been snatched. There were too many people in and around the house, and they determined that the child somehow had wandered off into the woods, and he had. For three days, this 22-month-old child was lost in the woods of eastern Kentucky. They did find the child. The child was okay. 
when they found the child, the rescue workers, they had the state police out, they had 300 different rescue workers who were out there working alongside the state police, canvassing the area. They found the child about a quarter mile from the house. They actually found the child up on the top of a ledge that was about an 80-foot drop down to rocks below. And the child was just sitting there on top of the rock. And he'd been crying a little bit, and when the rescue workers called out, he called back. When they came down to him, this, this was his words. He looked at him and he said, here all night. <laughs> and he had been three days. Scary. Now, 300 plus rescue workers searching for this 22-month-old child. State police out there searching for the, the child. Now, you know, in eastern Kentucky, there, there are some neat sights to see. Can you imagine being part of that rescue team and walking along with somebody there on that rescue team. And as you're walking through the woods, that person who is on the rescue team, they've got a camera strapped around their shoulders. And as they walk along, every time that they're walking along, they say, oh, look at this beautiful wildflower. That is from the genus, eh, whatever it is. And I've got to take pictures. Hey, we're looking for a child here. Hold on. I can take pictures of the flower while I'm looking for the child, right? Can you imagine in that part of Kentucky some members of that team who are a part of a search and rescue team as they're walking along? Hey, look there. There's a nice little mark on that tree. There's been a big buck rubbing right there. Hey, maybe if we come over here, I bet we can find some tracks. And they wander off and start looking for tracks for this big buck that's been wandering through the woods. Or they hear a turkey. Oh, did you hear that? Shh. Listen. Did you hear the kid? No, I heard a turkey. Can you imagine as they're wandering through that part of Kentucky, as they're wandering through that section of the woodlands there, they come across that nice little trout stream that wanders there through that eastern part of Kentucky and goes through McGowan County, and they find this tree stream and they say, oh man, you know there's got to be trout here. Hold on just a second. Let me get my backpack off because I need to cast a little bit and see if I can draw something up to the surface. I mean, how wrong would that be? That's wrong on every level. Why? Is fishing all that wrong? Come on, wives. It, it's not. Is hunting all that wrong? No. Is taking some photographs of some pretty flowers out in the woods wrong? No but it becomes wrong when the focus is supposed to be on something else that is an emergency. This is why we're given this command in Colossians chapter 3. Hey, I belong to Christ. My future, my eternity has been sealed in Christ. I have experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. I have been saved from the destination that I was headed for, a separation from God in an eternal hell, and I have been saved through the power of Jesus Christ. I am his now, and because I've come to Christ, now I've got to make sure that I have my attention focused on things above because there are plenty of people who aren't focused on things above. It's fishing 
fishing wrong? No. Is going hunting wrong? No. Is taking photos of wildflowers wrong? No. Is pursuing your career wrong? No. Is trying to provide for your retirement wrong? No. Is going to the beach wrong? No. But if those things are done at the expense of us keeping our eyes focused on the things above, focused on the Lord's direction for our life, they are wrong. Because I belong to Christ, I've got to keep my attention focused in the right direction. See, that's what this is talking about. It's talking about perspective. There's nothing wrong with you providing for your retirement. There's nothing wrong with you having a job and actually working some extra hours and providing for your family. There's nothing wrong with that. The wrongness comes when that consumes the time and the attention that ought to be focused here with him. Fill in the blank with whatever you want. You can fill in the blank with Facebook. You can fill in the blank with TV. You can fill in the blank with reading, work, whatever hobby it is. Is it wrong? Not in and of itself, but when it begins to get in the way of my walk with the Lord and takes my focus off of the things above, absolutely it is, every time it is, it will always be wrong. Because we belong to Christ, we need to seek the things that are above. Verse 5, because we belong to Christ... We need to put to death that which is earthly in us. Therefore, put to death your members, your your body, the parts of your body which are on earth, these things which distract us. Verse 5 says, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Carries on in verse 8, put these things off, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, put it out of your mouth. Get rid of these things. Because we belong to Christ, we will put to death that which is earthly in us. Verse 6 says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you once walked or should have walked when you lived in them but now should let go of. Because we belong to Christ, we will put to death what is earthly in us. Now, for years, scientists operated with this as part of the definition of what life is. They've kind of moved the mark a little bit in the past decade or so as to what defines life. But this used to be a definition, part of the definition of life. For something to be living, it actually had to respond to stimuli. For something to be living... It had to respond to stimuli. It wasn't alive unless it responded to stimuli. That wasn't the only definition, but that was part of it. Now think with me for just a moment. If something is dead, it really doesn't respond to stimuli. It doesn't respond to bright light. It doesn't respond to loud noises. It doesn't respond to a prod, a poke in the side. It doesn't respond to change in temperature. If something is dead... None of those things have any effect on that thing which is dead. 
And part of the definition of life and what defined those things that were alive was that if you change the temperature, they would respond to that stimuli. If you change the light, sometimes things, organisms would respond to that stimuli. If you gave it a good poke, it might bite your finger. It would respond to that stimuli. Even that which is in the plant world responds to the stimuli. But the point of this is, if I'm dead, if I'm dead in Christ, if, if, if I am dead to the things of the world, if I am dead to those things which I walked in formerly, then all of these things, which is not an exhaustive list but a representative list, all of these things which may have tempted me before, I now need to put to death my attraction to them. Fornication, sexual immorality. Uncleanness, passion, evil desire, jealousy, envy, covetousness. I need to put to death the anger that I hold on to, the malice that I live in, the wrath that I display, the blasphemy and filthy language which comes from my mouth. Why? Because all of those things point somewhere other than him. They point down here. And when I allow these things to characterize my life, when I allow these things to characterize my language, when I allow these things to characterize the makeup of my day, I am pointing here instead of there. Because we belong to Christ, we need to change our focus. We need to seek the things that are above. Because we belong to Christ, we need to put to death that which is earthly in us. We need to stop responding to those things that we responded to before we became a believer. Because I belong to Christ, I need to speak truth to those around me. Verse 9 says, do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds, truthlessness belongs in the world. Those who follow Christ need to walk in truth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him, God, who created him, us. We will speak to one another in truth. Because we belong to Christ, we will speak truth to one another. This is a major flaw. This is a major flaw that is happening in the discourse around us today. In the discourse in our culture, in America in general, in Virginia in particular. This is a huge flaw that exists in the conversation that is taking place. We usually have one of two things one of two very opposite things that are happening. What you hear today quite often 
is you hear speak people speaking truth. But not in love. There are plenty of people out there who are speaking what is true. But they are not doing it in love. On the flip side, there are plenty of people who are speaking what they perceive as love without any truth. What needs to characterize the church today, especially in these, these critical times, in, in this moment of crisis here in our nation, here in our state, is we need to stop speaking truth without any love, and we need to stop speaking love without any truth. We need to speak truth in love. Why is it important for the church to hold these biblical truths? Why is it important for us to stand right here on the word of God? Why is it important for us not to compromise what God says in his word? Why is that critically important? Why is it important? Because people's eternity, eternal destiny is founded upon the word of God. Because when we start compromising the word of God, we start compromising the message of God, we start compromising the gospel of God. If we start compromising on things that God says in regard to our gender when we're born, if we start compromising on things regarding our sexuality that God has called us to share together as one man, one woman for a lifetime, it's a problem with heterosexual sex outside of marriage as much as it is homosexual sex outside of marriage. When we start compromising on these issues, it's easy to take it a step further and start compromising on the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way unto salvation and that he's the only name under heaven by which men be, may be saved. Because when we start giving a little from the gospel of God, we start offering this as shifting sand. It is truth without any mixture of error. And if he says that I'm supposed to be faithful to my wife, that I am supposed to be a one-woman man for my life, then by golly, as a believer who stands on the word of God, I'd better not be looking at pornography. I'd better not be allowing my eyes to stray and wander in lust at another woman, even if I don't take the action outwardly of being sexually immoral. I'm taking the action inwardly in my heart. We can't compromise on these things. It's critical. We can't compromise on these things because the destination, the eternal destination of those who choose to disregard this word, who choose to disregard that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save them from their sins, and every Everything else that accompanies that, the eternal destination is separation from God forever in punishment that will last for eternity. Do we really want to just tell people to love each other and that's enough? My friend, if the message of the church becomes just love each other, you do what you want to do in love, and I'll do what I want to do in love. We have consigned 
those around us to hell. I can't think of any crueler fate. As hard as it is, as challenging as it is, as difficult as it is, we must speak truth in love. Because we're concerned about what happens in that person's life. We care about where they're headed. We care about their relationship with the Lord. We care whether or not they come to faith in Christ. We care whether or not they walk in relationship with him. Because if we don't share... If we don't share that truth and we don't share it because Jesus loves them and he wants me to love them, and we stop speaking the truth, we've stopped loving. We're at a crossroads. too easy to speak truth without any love. Governor Northam is not your enemy. He needs to be loved by you. Your state delegate Your state senator is not your enemy. They need to be loved by you. We need to speak the truth to them. We need to speak it in love with a concern for their eternal soul as well. If they don't listen, if they don't hear, That's their decision. If I don't share, if I don't love, that's my decision. Because we belong to Christ, we'll speak truth to one another in love. One last thing. we belong to Christ, we'll seek the things that are above, we'll put to death what is earthly in us, we'll speak truth to one another, and because we belong to Christ, we will focus not on prejudices that divide us, but on Christ who unites us. Not on prejudices that divide us, but Christ who unites us. Look at verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew uncircumcised nor circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ. He is all and he is in all. Because we belong to Christ, we will not focus on prejudices that divide us. Now, there are some things that we should be separate over. There are some things that should divide us. Truths from God's word, where we stand, where others may not. Things that the Bible tells us, these are things that you should do. These are sin. These are not sin. This is where you need to stand. We should be willing to divide over those things. We should be willing to say, I'm not going to be forced into political correctness. I'm not going to be forced 
into this, which the wave of popular opinion is rolling in with the tide. However, that's not what verse 11 is talking about. Do you notice these things that are listed here? Look at them closely with me again. Verse 11 says, Put on the new man, renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him, God who created us, where there is neither Greek nor Jew. When God created us, there was neither Greek nor Jew. There was neither circumcised nor uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and in all. Take note of all these distinctions, which were dividing people in that day. Take note of all these distinctions. What is it about all these distinctions that they have in common? All of these distinctions right here are superficial. They're all external. Really, they have nothing to do with the heart. They're all outward things. They're all superficial things. Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised. Oh, but pastor, that's talking about somebody who's faithful to the Lord. No, there were plenty of people in Israel who were circumcised that weren't faithful to the Lord. And plenty of people who were uncircumcised in the Greek world who were faithful to the Lord. Scythian, barbarian, slave, free, they're all superficial things. They're all external things. They are things which so easily divide people but shouldn't. The color of someone's skin shouldn't divide us. The nationality of someone shouldn't divide us. The Bible doesn't say those things are wrong. It doesn't say those things are sinful. We need to stand on the things that the Bible says, this is truth, this is right, this is where we need to stand as believers, and the things which so easily divide us, race, wealth, status, nationality, those are the things that we shouldn't be paying any attention to. Because every single one of those people is created in the image of God just as I'm created in the image of God. Because we belong to Christ, we need to stop focusing on those prejudices which so easily divide us. But on Christ who unites us. Not every one of those um, little leaguers bought into the program. And not every one of their parents encouraged them to. That was the most frustrating thing. Here, I bought you this neat pair of socks. Why don't you wear these under that uniform? But our coach said, "Uh, I'm your parent. Listen to me. Not every one of those little leaguers ran onto the field. And occasionally we'd have a little hothead that would try to argue with the umpire. They learned. Come sit down here next to me. There were some expectations. If you belong on our team, well, here are the expectations. My friend, 
because I belong to Christ, because you belong to Christ, because we belong to Christ, because we have become part of his team. He has some expectations of us as his team members as to what we're supposed to be doing with each other and in response to the world. Because I belong to Christ, I've got to keep my focus where it needs to be on the Lord above. I've got to put to death what is earthly in me. I've got to speak truth to those around me, even when it's difficult. And speak it in love. And I need to focus on Christ who unites us instead of prejudices which divide us. Would you pray with me? Lord, today, I ask that you would help us.